Can we pray as we dig into one of my favorite topics in, in all of the Bible? Let's pray as we get started. God, I want to thank you for friends tonight. And we ask you for utterance to speak boldly and clearly the mysteries of the gospel. What a privilege to be among brothers and sisters. I pray that we would be one, that the world would know that you sent Jesus. I pray that we'd be one, that the world would know that you love us as much as you love Jesus. God, I pray that we would be one, that you would command your blessing upon us life evermore and let it be like the dew of Mount Hermon and let it be like the oil that runs down Aaron's beard. God, I pray that you'll give me utterance to speak boldly and I pray also that the words that I speak be first pure and then peaceable and gentle and easy to be entreated without partiality. And God, tonight I pray that you'll let me speak without hypocrisy. Give me sweetness of lips to increase learning and may we present to the people apples of gold and platters of silver and we give you the glory and praise and honor in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So, I worked extra hard on a PowerPoint presentation but then (laughs) I heard that we don't have PowerPoint tonight. But that's okay. God is faithful and I text Pastor Tom. He said, our computer crashed and then I was just reminded that, you know, in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says that the earth was without form and it was void. And actually, the literal Hebrew translation, it was darkness and chaos. Yes. But did, did you know that in the middle of darkness and chaos, God can move? Yes. There was an incubation. There was, a, there was a hibernation. And God moved in the middle of chaos. God moved in the middle of darkness. And so you might be experiencing darkness in your own personal life or your own personal families or in your own marriage or in your own emotions or some area of your life or business. But the good news is that God is really good. He's the master. He's the pro. He's the best at working in darkness and working in the middle of chaos. So God's about to do something significant in your life. You believe that? So let's look in Isaiah chapter 28 tonight. Isaiah 28. And I want you to see Verse 11 and 12. The Bible says, With stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. To whom he said, This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Actually, one translation says that that many choose not to believe. They, they make a decision. I will not receive that. I will not believe that. I will not endorse that. I'm just not going to have that. But the Bible says, with stammering lips and another tongue, God will speak to his people to whom he said, this is the rest. I don't know if you've ever been in a position in your life or any kind of condition in your life where you feel like you're, you're overwhelmed and maybe you're stressed out and maybe you're worn out. Well, the good news is this is the rest where he causes the weary to experience rest. This is the rest. And then also, I want you to notice this in this verse, that the Bible says that this is the refreshing. Have you ever been in a desert season? Have you ever been like if, in such a dry season emotionally or spiritually that you feel like if you cough, dust will come out? Are there any real humans in here? Or have we gone so far away from the earth that... that... All right, I want to share with you another verse and. I want you to see Mark's gospel and chapter 16. Mark 16. You have your Bibles tonight? This is a word church, right? You charismatic church? In, In Mark chapter 16, you know, one of the things that you have to know about the book of Mark is that Mark's gospel is straight to the point. You know, Luke wrote 62 chapters, long chapters, 62 chapters in, in Luke and in Acts, 62 chapters, long chapters. But when Peter was narrating at a very, very old age, and some say Mark wasn't even alive. Some say that Mark was just a child when Jesus was on the earth, but he didn't travel with Jesus. But Peter traveled with him. And when Peter was a very, very old man, He told the story about his encounter and his relationship with Jesus Christ. And so Mark wrote it down. And so 
when, when Peter describes after Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he told us these things. In Mark 16 and in verse 17, I believe it is, it says, These signs will follow them that believe in my name. They will speak with new tongues. One of the things that they will do is they will speak with new tongues. Peter said that's what Jesus said. And Mark wrote it down. And so we can receive that word and... It'll bring rest into our life. It'll bring refreshing into our life. And then here's the other thing is, have you ever been in a position where you needed wisdom in your life, where you needed divine utterance from heaven? I mean, you needed a confirmation. I mean, you needed a revelation from on high. Well, the Bible says that with this stammering lips and an unknown tongue, God speaks to his people. I don't know about you, but... I want the Lord to speak to me. I, I, I was just thinking about today about how the, that Moses, he said, God, I want to know your glory. I want to see your glory. I want to experience your presence. He wanted to have the, the heavy, weighty, thick cloud, which was the Hebrew word kabod. He wanted that heaviness upon his life and he wanted the revelation of God. Well, the Bible tells us that stammering lips and unknown tongue, God speaks to his people. And here we see Jesus speaking to Peter and Peter telling Mark and Mark wrote it down for you and I, where he says, believers will speak with new tongues. Now, just flip right over to your right. And I want you to see Luke chapter three and verse 16, Luke chapter three and verse 16, John answered to all. They asked him, are you the Christ or do we look for another? And he said, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming. The sandal straps. I am not even worthy to loosen. He will baptize you with the Holy spirit and fire. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now there is an ordinance of the church that is called water baptism. There is an ordinance of the church that is holy. It is sacred. It is a sacrament. It is called water baptism. And that is where you make an outward um, public confession and a demonstration where you say, I want to confess to my family. I want to confess to my friend. And the act of baptism in water is a public proclamation. The act is a public confession when you go under the water and and you come up. And that is where it is something ordained of heaven. And it's something that we should all be a part of. But yet there is another baptism that Jesus personally baptizes with. And John prophesied it. And even Jesus said after he was resurrected from the dead. Remember how John used to say again and again and again that there's one mighty that's coming and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then in in Acts chapter 1 and verse 6, Jesus said, this is it. You've got to have this thing that John was telling you about. Jesus baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. I think sometimes people go through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but then over the process of time, they've lost fire. It's good for us to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit and get some fire. Maybe you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, but maybe it's time to get the baptism of the and fire. Are you with me? We want the baptism of the Holy Spirit and we want the fire. Can I have an amen? Amen. All right. So let's flip over to the right. Let's just go to Luke chapter 24, Luke chapter 24. Here we see Luke describing what he's seen and what he heard firsthand from Jesus. He was a part of this incident in Luke chapter 24 and verse 49. Jesus says here, and Luke actually hears this and Luke writes it down later on. And he says, behold, verse 49, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endowed or you receive this endowment with power from on high. It's the promise of the father that John talked about us, the promise of the father from Isaiah 28. And it's the promise of the father that was important for all of God's children that they could have. Now, some people say things like the baptism, of the Holy spirit and fire is not for everyone, but yet Peter said, this is to you and to your children and to all who are far off. It's not just to you, but it's for your children and to all that are far off. So some could say it's not for everyone, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible said it's to you and to your children and to all who are far off. Could I have a, a man? All right. Now let's just look over to your right. Go to John chapter seven, John chapter seven. And I want you to see verse 37 in John seven thirty-seven. the tradition was in, in the Hebrew culture, there were three celebrations where they were commanded to eat and drink and be merry and have a good time. You have the feast of Pentecost, you have the feast of Passover, and you have this feast right here. 
This feast right here where, where uh, Jesus is actually present in this feast. And it was a, it was a celebration. The, the tradition was that they would take gigantic barrels of water and there would be dancing and there would be music and they would, they would be having a great time. And then on the last day of the feast, what they would do is they would take those big barrels of water and they would dump them off or they would dump those water, water barrels. They would dump them over and then water would be like kind of like little rapid rivers and the children would be barefoot and the children would skip and they would kick the water and they would splash the water and they would have a good time. This went on for year after year after year. They push water barrels over and the kids would laugh and dance and celebrate and have a good time in the middle of this celebration. So here on the last day of the feast, Jesus, on the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up in the middle of this and he said, I want to make an announcement. I want everybody to know something. Um, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly will flow rivers of water. Jesus announces this while the children are kicking and skipping and dancing and laughing and having a really good time barefooted in water. Then yet Jesus said, you believe in me, out of the, as the scripture said, out of your belly will flow rivers. And I want you to see this. The, the word, look in your Bible. The word rivers is actually plural. Because we need rivers for different things. We need a river for marriage. We need a river for parenting. We need a river for finances. We need a river for our emotions. We need a, 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 a river for doing community. We need a river for, for going to work. We need, a, we need to be in the river of God just to do Bay Area traffic. Are you with me? <laughs> The big river. We got to be, we got to have the rivers, but out of our belly, out of our heart will flow rivers of living water. What in the world are you talking about? Jesus look in verse 39, but this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now let's just flip right over to the right. We'll just go to the right and let's look at acts chapter one, acts chapter one. Acts chapter 1 and verse, well, let's go to verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of me. And then Jesus reminds them. Remember, remember this whole thing about what John kept talking about? For John truly baptized with water, but you should be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you this time restore the kingdom of of the kingdom to Israel. And he said, and then it's not for you to know the seasons which the father has put in his own authority. But I want you to see verse eight, but you shall receive power when the Holy spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, I'll never forget the experience that I had when I received the baptism of the Holy spirit in fire. When Jesus baptized me with the Holy spirit in fire, Again, once again, it's one thing to, to go through the ordinance that he commanded us to be a part and participate in that, that public proclamation and that, that act, reenactment of the, of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and identifying with Christ and making that public confession. It's one thing to go through that. But then I'll never forget when I was baptized with the Holy Spirit and, and fired by the Lord. At that time, I actually had a big cussing problem. A humongous cussing problem. I just said, just like the littlest thing. I I cuss. I sh- uh, you know I just shout fits of cuss, fits of rage, anger. It would just come all over me. And then what happened was when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized by by Jesus with the Holy Spirit and fire. Fire. What happened is he ended up taking away the cuss. But you know what happens is sometimes the cuss tries to come back because, but, but Paul said you got to reckon the flesh dead. You got to reckon it as be, having already been crucified and you're dead to sin, alive and righteous. Peter said, and by his stripes you're healed. But, but Romans chapter 6 and verse 14 also says, sin shall not have dominion over you. And do you know that as a Christian, especially as a pastor, we shouldn't have cussing fits of rage? Yeah. Not good for the family business. <laughs> and so. Sometimes that might try to come upon me, but I've noticed in my own life that as I pray in the Holy Spirit, it's so much easier for me to control cussing fits of rage. It really is. It's so much easier as I pray in the Holy Spirit. I can, I can, can, I can, you know, the, the tongue is a, a, an unruly evil full of deadly poison sets on fire a world of hell. 
And uh, you may have dealt with um, tongue issues like um, foot and mouth disease, um, or maybe, um, or maybe even gossip, or maybe just could be could be tearing other people down. But you know, if you pray in the Holy Spirit, you're submitting the most difficult member of your body. You're submitting the most difficult member of your body to the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then he gives utterance. And then as you speak that out, he enables you to be able to control the rest of the members because I control the tongue. And then, and then I don't have the cussing fits of rage. But then also the other thing that happened to me is that night I knew that I was supposed to do ministry for the rest of my life. In fact, at that moment, it was like the Lord was calling me. I anointed you. I appointed you. You're called to do ministry for the rest of your life. And I actually had this desire right then and there that I don't know why it happened like this, because it was maybe it was a big, big company back then. But instantly while I was praying there at the altar, I I remember thinking if IBM offered me a, a, a big job where I can have a company car and I could wear fancy floor shimes and, and wear a, a, the expensive suits and drive, you know, and, and, ha- and have these things. I, I, would, I would choose the plan of God more than that. Because I just knew at that moment when I received that. Now, maybe for, for everybody it's not the case, but I know for me at that moment, what I wanted to do is I wanted to reach out into my Judea, my Samaria. I want to reach out to my Jerusalem. I want to reach out to the end of the earth. And as I pray in the Holy Spirit, the truth of it is I get more missional minded as I pray in the Spirit. I want to reach out. I think of even just yesterday, I was, I was talking with um, Pastor Mark Butler. We were having lunch at a Chinese restaurant in Antioch. And I was just telling him, man, I would love to go and, 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 and um, just do youth crusades in Africa. Because, you know, the, the next month they're going to do, uh, the Hagans are going to do a crusade in Africa with one million people in Nigeria. Wow. Their enrollment for Rama Africa, they're saying 10,000 people. So I asked some of the some of the different campuses, what 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 do they do for youth? What do they do for you? And you know the answer is, I've never heard anyone that does anything with youth. So as I pray in the Holy Spirit, I thought, what if we put a band together? What if we had smoke and lights? What if we had what if we had like video presentations and a whole, a whole on thing where we like use the Ramah students around you know Singapore, the Ramah students that were in 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 um, in um, England and, and Ireland and Australia and Brazil and Mexico. And then we just went in there and used, you know, used the students. We just gathered people from all around the area and we just, just did this really big thing. And then Pastor Mark said, um, pray about it. And if that's what the Lord's putting in your heart, then you have to follow that. But I found that the more that I pray in the Holy Spirit, the less I am concerned with me and myself and I. Are you with me? So it is very significant. And the good thing is this is the rest worthy cause the reader rest. And this is the refreshing. Yet some people choose not to believe it. Now, let's just flip right over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind that filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared unto them divided tongues as a fire and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there's a couple things that I want to point out to you from this. If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to, to maybe circle a couple of words here. In verse 4, here's what it says. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Would you circle the word they right there in your Bible? Circle the word they. Because I want, you to, I want to ask you this question. It's important that we understand this. Is the word they talking about God? Is the word they talking about Jesus? Or is the word they talking about people? people. It's talking about people. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they... 120 were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and there appeared to them, the people, because this word them is the pronoun antecedent referring to those 120 divided tongues as a fire and it set upon each of them, again, the pronoun referring to the 120 and they, another pronoun describing the 120, they were all filled In the beginning, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I'll never forget, way back before the turn of the century, I'm talking about this last one about 11 years ago. (laughs) Way back, way back before the turn of the century. Way back in, I think it was 95. 
95, way back there before the turn of the century. In 1995, I was speaking on a Wednesday night to the First Assembly of God in Antioch. And I was sharing some of the verses with, that I just shared with you. And so on that Wednesday night, 11 people came forward to the front to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And out of those 11 people, 10 out of the 11 instantly received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But then there was one lady pretty much in the center of the, of the group. And when I got to her, she fell on her knees and she said, please, God, please, please, God, please. You know how I want it more than anybody. She fell on her knees and she said, I've been seeking longer than anybody. Please, God, please let me have this, this, um, this experience. And so um, what I did was I asked her to stand up and I said to the congregation, um, would it be rude if somebody asked for direction on how to get to San Francisco from where we were, you would need to go west on Highway 4. And so I said to them, would it be rude if someone asked for directions to San Francisco and I told them go west on Highway 4, then they got on Highway 4, but they were going east. I said, would that be rude to flag them down or wave them down and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, you're going the wrong direction. You, in order to get to San Francisco, you want to go west, but you're going east. Would it be rude to flag them down and say you're going the wrong direction? And so the congregation said, no, pretty much everybody said, no, that would not be, be rude. So then what happened was she said that she had been in that church. Her testimony was that that church started in 1954 in a tent revival in downtown Pittsburgh, California. And she said she'd been a part of that church since 1954. And she'd been seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit since then. And so I showed her this verse right here. I said, notice what it says right here. I said this because we had time and it was a Wednesday night and, and there might've been 40 people there, 50. And, uh, I said, notice right here in verse four, I said, notice what it says. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. And so I asked her, I said, the word they says that, that the people were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then notice who began to speak. I showed her in the Bible. I said, notice what it says here. They were all filled and they began to speak with other tongues. And so I said to her, the Holy Spirit is the one who gives the utterance. But do you notice here that the people are the ones who did the speaking? She said, well, I've been reading the Bible for years and years. And she said, I, I've never seen that. So she said, I wish somebody would have, would have showed me that years ago. So then I said, look, if I lay hands on you and the Holy Spirit comes upon you, who will give you the utterance? And she said, according to the Bible, it would be the Holy Spirit. And then I said to her, and who would be doing the speaking? And she said, all this time, I thought that it would be God doing the speaking. But she said, now I'm seeing that it's actually the people that does the speaking. And I said, so if I laid hands on you and the spirit did give you the utterance, all you would have to do is step out in faith and begin to speak. Not in English, but you just take a deep breath and you begin to speak out the utterance that comes from heaven and you can yield and experience this gift. And so I said to her, are you ready? Right there in front of the little group of people. And she said, she said, yeah. So I said to her, go ahead and lift up your hands toward heaven because that's really where our help comes from. I'm just a vessel that's, that's, that's sharing this with you. So I laid my hands on her just barely gently like this. I laid my hands on her and I said, now. And I began to pray in the Holy Spirit. And then what happened was the Holy Spirit came upon her and she started crying and she got filled with the Holy Spirit and she began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave her utterance and we had milk and donuts to celebrate the party. And then some of the deacons told me, they said, we haven't had preaching like that in our church for over 20 years. We had a wonderful time, though, that night as we celebrated. Now, I want you to turn with me just over to the right. I want you to see Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And verse 5, it says, When Philip went down to the city of Samaria, he preached Christ to them. 
I believe he was preaching under the anointing of God. I believe that he was preaching with a fresh manna from heaven. I believe that he was preaching with the prophetic word, Jesus Christ and him crucified. I believe that he was preaching that we can know him and the power of his resurrection. I believe that he was preaching that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost with power. And he went about doing good things, healing all that are the press of the devil. And he's still the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire. And notice what verse six says. And the multitudes with one accord gave heed. To give heed means to listen intently and to pay attention. So here's the multitudes in one accord. They're in unity. And there's a manifestation in that place of unity. They're listening intently. They're paying attention to the things spoken by Philip. Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did for unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them and many who were sick with the palsy and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Now jump down to verse 14. Verse 14, now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who who, when they had come, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands upon them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to see these Samaritan people were already saved. These Samaritan people were already baptized in water. But yet they called up to Jerusalem and said, can you guys come down and pray for these that they might receive something in addition to that? It was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so they laid their hands upon them and they received the Holy Spirit. They're already saved. They're already, they're already water baptized. And yet we see right here that they say, can you send people from Jerusalem Peter and John go down there and pray for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. And they did receive the Holy Spirit on that day. Then I want you to see Acts chapter 10. Just flip right over to your right. Acts chapter 10. I'll never forget. Again, um, we were doing a, um, a youth camp in Astoria, Washington. It was the city where they, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger had done a movie about kindergarten something. Um, kindergarten cop? Was that the movie? I was going to say cop, but I went, kindergarten cop. So he did a movie right there in that town. And that was like the big deal of the, their town significance. And so we did, it, we did a youth camp there. And um, I'll never forget, as long as I live, um, we had uh, maybe a hundred 20 kids came to the, to the youth camp and we had such a marvelous time in the presence of God. In fact, when I think back of it, if I close my eyes and think back to the moment, let me just say this might help some of you. Never be sentimental towards stuff. Never be sentimental towards a shirt or towards a car, maybe towards a watch. Don't be sentimental towards stuff. But we should be sentimental to a moment. Where God did something significant. Be sentimental to that moment where he saved you, where he healed you, where he spoke to you, where he gave you a vision, where he gave you a dream, where he healed you. Be sentimental towards that moment where you got that word, where you got that prophecy, where hands were laid upon you. And be sentimental toward, be sentimental toward when you got that message, when the first time you heard that message... Be sentimental towards the message. Be sentimental towards the moment. But don't be sentimental towards material things. Are you with me? But when I close my eyes and I think back, I have such sentiment in my heart. It's almost like a cloud. It's almost like a a glorious heavy weight. And uh, the presence of God was so... So marvelous, so sweet, so precious. It was almost like like a... Even when I think back, it was like a cloud had filled the entire room with the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit. And um, it was almost like, you know, when Jesus was baptized in water by John in the Jordan River, the Bible says that they saw something and the Bible says that they heard something. And I believe when the body of Christ gets under the 
under the presence of God and gets under the anointing of God, I believe that there can be a confirmation, there can be a signification, and there can be a revelation that comes from on high where there will be a sight and there will be a sound and there will be something that brings that confirmation on your life. You know, when Jesus was baptized in water, the Bible says that the Spirit of God descended in a bodily shape form like a dove and it sat upon him and then there was a sound from heaven that said, this is my beloved son. Well, I believe that it's possible for us to get into a place of unity and for us to get into a place of hunger for us to get into a place of thirstiness for the presence of God where the presence of God can fall upon this church in a bodily shape form like a dove and we can hear a sound from heaven that says this is my beloved church these are my beloved sons and daughters this is my beloved bride and in this church I am well pleased and you know we can wear the marks of Christ I don't believe in this in the, in the, I think it's kind of superstitious when people say you know you get oil in your hands or you get feathers out of your sleeve or you get blood in your hand I think that's kind of superstitious I really do I think it, you know um, maybe I'm being too hard there but I think it's superstitious but I do believe in the marks of Christ I do believe in the marks of Christ but what I believe the marks of Christ are is the presence of God where Jesus said when you pray pray to your father in secret and your father that sees you pray in a secret will reward you openly there'll be a revelation and a convocation and a confirmation upon your life that you've been in the presence of God can I have an amen, amen. And when he said, and when you give, not, don't let your left hand know what your right has, hand is doing. And when your father that sees in secret himself shall reward you with the marks of Christ. And when you fast, fast in secret, and your father that sees you fasting in secret, himself shall reward you with the confirmation. And he will reward you openly. Doesn't it say that? Doesn't it say that? Remember Matthew chapter 6 through about verse 10, 11 right there? Himself will reward you openly. There'll be a stamp on you. There'll be a there'll be a, a, a mark on you that you've been in the presence of the Almighty. In fact, let me just say this: Con, concerning um, Moses, concerning Moses in Exodus, he said, "How how how are they going to know?" And he said, "This this will be a sign. I'll be with you. There'll be a there'll be a there'll be a tattoo on your heart." There'll be, there'll be a tattoo on, uh, um, and there was, there was a, there was a glow about him. There was a presence about Moses and they, they recognized, oh my goodness, this guy, he's got something on him that we have never seen before. It was the glory of God. It was the Shekinah glory that he was wearing. You guys brought that out because that wasn't part of the study. And I don't even know where I am, Mark, uh, Acts. Chapter 10. Yeah, Acts chapter 10. And let's look in Peter's preaching at the, to the Gentiles. What a remarkable man Peter was. Amen. I mean, think about this. No human ever walked on water other than, that we know in recorded history other than Peter. He was so anointed with the marks of Christ that look, look, see, we watched the shadow. We don't have any record in history, in history of, of, a, of a shadow touching people. He didn't lay hands right. on the shadow. Just, we don't have, he had a shadow. mark, just the shadow of him. He had been in the presence of the Almighty. In fact, the political leaders and the religious leaders said, this guy is ignorant. This guy is a fool. This guy, he don't even dress the, in the regalia that we wear, but there's something about him. And they took notice. They said, he's been with Jesus. That's right. I hope that we have leaders and bodies of, of believers in this generation that has the marks of Christ, that it's not cotton candy, it's not fluff, but it's the presence of the Almighty God. Can I have an amen? So here, Peter goes and he preaches at Cornelius' house. He's the first man to ever preach to the public assembly. In Pentecost, on Acts chapter 2, first man to ever get to preach. In fact, if you notice, I mean, there are great sermons that have been recorded in history, but how many got put in the Bible? Only a couple, and Peter was one of them. His sermon's in the Bible. Twice. <laughs> He's the first person to preach to the Jews in a public assembly. The first person to ever preach to the Gentiles. Peter, what a remarkable individual. He had the presence of God. And here he is preaching to the Gentiles for the first time. Not only that, he raised Tabitha from the dead. And there was a, a, a paralyzed man by the na- name of Aeneas. And he goes to Aeneas and he says, Aeneas, Jesus Christ makes you whole. And the, Aeneas ended up getting made whole. Yeah. And... 
Think about that. He, he raised Tabitha from the, from the dead. She was dead. He raised her from the dead. He did remarkable things. In fact, today, you want to know where Peter stands today? Peter is, I, I believe with all of my heart that there are four and 20 elders in heaven. It may be, I don't know who the elders are, but they are senators in heaven. They are the Sanhedrin of heaven. They are the political officials of all of heaven. It could be Daniel. It could be Moses. It could be Abraham. It could be Isaac. It could be Jacob. It could be David. It could be Solomon. We're not sure who they are, but there are four and 20 elders. And the Bible says, even the four and 20 elders say, would you pardon me just for a moment as I take off my crown and I cast it at the foot of the lamb and say, worthy is the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth. But then there are the 144,000 and they bow down before him. And then there's every tribe and every tongue and every kindred and they bow before him and they cast their crowns. And then there's the 12 apostles of the lamb who judge the church. Those are 12 apostles of the lamb. And I can just imagine Jesus sitting on the throne. You and I come before his presence and maybe the big screens like this. And there goes your life being presented. How you use your time, how you lose your talent, how you use your treasure. We will be, I think, I will be, every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to glory, the glory of God the Father. And I know we know scriptures on righteousness, but when you get in the presence of Almighty God, I think we'll be like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 say, Woe is me. Here am I, Lord. Oh man, I'm unclean lips. I saw the Lord and he was, he wasn't just barely up there. He was high and lifted up and then just the glory of his robe filled the entire place. So glorious, so powerful, and yet I can imagine us coming before him and, and our faults and our failures and the things that we made mistakes. And I can imagine Jesus sitting there on the throne. And I can imagine the jury box of the 12 apostles of the Lamb who are appointed by church. I mean, appointed for church history to judge the church. And I can imagine maybe six this way and maybe six this way. And somewhere along the line, maybe on the right hand or maybe on the left. We're not for sure. But I can imagine Peter getting out of the jury box and saying, Your Honor, if I may speak in behalf of this individual. If I may but speak in behalf of of Barbara. If I may but but speak in behalf of of Tom Hernandez. If I I may but speak in in behalf of of this one. um, Remember how you saved me. Remember how you filled me. Remember how I was a crusty, dusty, rusty, cussing sailor. And yet you picked me up and you turned me around. You set my feet on higher ground. You know, our God is a God who delights in lifting the poor out of the pit and he raised the needy out of the dunghill. And I can imagine Peter saying over to John, Peter saying over to James, listen, just for a moment, you can't tell it like I can what he's done for me. And you don't know it like I know what he's done for me. He picked me up and he turned me around and then he set my feet on a higher ground. And then I can imagine us saying, based upon the blood, based upon the cross, based upon the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus. But I can imagine Peter, we have, we, you know, we don't worship Peter, but the truth of the matter is he was a very significant historical figure. And yet he never wore a cross. He never wore a collar. He never wore a tie. He never wore fancy floor shines. He never even wore a cardinal hat. He never wore a political um, robe. He never wore a religious robe. But yet he knew the presence of God. So anointed, so appointed that even his shadow healed people. And yet here he is preaching at Cornelius' house in verse 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And then let's look at verse 44. And while Peter still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision who believed as, uh, were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. I want you to know what the Gentiles heard. They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Now is them talking about God, talking about Jesus, talking about the Holy Spirit is you're talking about the people at Cornelius' house. They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. The people were speaking with tongues and they were magnifying, they were magnifying God. Now, back to the story where we were there in Astoria, Washington, doing this, doing this youth camp. Such a marvelous experience. And, and uh, um, 30-something kids came forward to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And man, we had a time. By the time, they, 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 nearly every one of them got filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. And then they were... The band was playing and we're doing music and we're talking about 
the love of God. And it was just a, a, a wonderful moment in, in my life and pilgrimage. And then, I mean, we had a time in the presence of God. I mean, just, a, just people... I mean, just manifestation and, and, and the glory of God in just a weighty way. Well, there was one young girl by the name of Marianne. She really was a mess. And she had been brought up in a Catholic school and a Catholic home. And uh, she came forward and she stood there like a statue. And then we prayed for her and she wouldn't do anything. And then after it was all over, um, kids were just, just having a great time in the presence of God. And so we went out one of the side doors. And outside this side door, we were standing out there. And so she said, uh, she said I'm, I'm, I'm Catholic. And her name was Mary. I said, Mary, that's a great name. I love the name Mary. What a great name. And then I showed her, I said, why don't you just um, follow in the footsteps of Mary and go ahead and get filled with the Holy Spirit just like Mary did. I said, don't you want to do like Mary did? And she said, oh yeah. I said, well then let, let me show you here. So matter of fact, let's just turn over Acts chapter 1 verse 14. The 120, they, there some of the names were named. Jesus' brothers were there, and, and Peter and James and John, Andrew and Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealots, and Judas the son of James. And notice verse 14, and these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman, excuse me, with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So I said, look, here's 120 people. They all got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I said, and Mary was one of those 120. Now, if it was good enough for Mary, don't you think it's good enough for you? She said, oh, yeah. And I, then I showed her the verse that I just showed you. I said, there, Peter was preaching, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, and then they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Outside the building, with the maybe like three or four of us out there, outside the building, we just showed her a couple of verses in the Bible. The band was playing inside, lights, you know, the whole, whole you know, just having a great time in the, in the presence of God. We're outside. There's only a few. We're outside. And, and we just go out there. And so I said, won't you be filled with the Holy Spirit? I said, you, I said, if you would, you could. And so it was so simple. It was just so simple. I mean, her, she, her life was a mess. I mean, she, it, was, it was really, really a mess. And so what happened was... I said the same thing. I said, go ahead and lift your hands toward heaven. And I said, I'm going to lay my hands on you. And I said, if the Spirit of God comes on you, who would give you the utterance? And she said, the Holy Spirit. And I said, and who would do the speaking? She said, I would. So I laid hands on her. And it was just as simple. She lifted her hands toward heaven. She, and and um, I prayed for her. I began to pray in the Holy Spirit. I said, now, take a deep breath and begin to speak out. And the Holy Spirit gave her the utterance. And she ended up getting filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave utterance. Could I have an amen? Amen. And you know, my wife's very good friend, um, she used to say things like, I'll tell you one thing, if I ever pray in the Holy Spirit, it'll be, it'll be because the Lord comes. And here's what she thought. She thought that it was like, you know, if any of you ever um, went, went out partying and you went out clubbing and then you drank too much and then you don't remember, and then, you know, you, it's called like blacking out. And she said, like, basically what she thought was that, I'll, that the Holy, Holy Spirit will come down and black me out. And then, I'll, then he'll do something through me. And then she said, I'll tell you, unless it's God, it, it, it'll, it'll never happen. And so she actually believed that the Lord would come down and hit her on the head and she'd black out. And then she'd do something. And then she'd wake up and she's, what did I do? What, what was it like? <laughs> what, 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 how, how was that? And so we were able to share with her that he didn't like that at all. <laughs> Because the Spirit of God is subject to each of us. And we can pray in the Holy Spirit at will. It's kind of like we, we turn, and, and I like to do this, um, when I turn the water faucet on to take a shower in the morning, I like to pray in the Holy Spirit. A lot of times what I do is even when I turn the car on, um, I pray in the Holy Spirit. And we can pray in the Holy Spirit, um, and He gives us the utterance at our will, we pray in the Holy Spirit for our own personal edification. Now, it is true that there are four different types of um, tongues in the Bible. There are four different types of tongues in the Bible. The main um, administration of tongues in the Bible that is for all believers is personal edification. Another tongues in the Bible is tongues in a public assembly where there must be an interpretation, but there shouldn't be over three at the most, four after four, we're just playing church. If there's been four interpretations, now the fifth one, is just we're just playing around. The sixth one, might as well sit down and read the Bible. 
we We're praying because I mean we're we're just playing around because the scripture tells us that there's there's tongues with interpretation three at the most four after that. That, that's, that, that's all we need in that one service. That's all we need. But it's tongues with an interpretation where someone on the stage may give out a, a tongue and then there's an interpretation that comes along with it where in our case, in America, in the Bay Area of California, it would probably be someone speaking in tongues, but then someone comes and interprets it in the English language. Another third administration or, or operation of tongues would be where a person might speak in tongues, but yet somebody understands it in a different language. Like I remember hearing a story not long ago where a man walked up to Dave Roberson and, and he started speaking to him in Russian. And Dave Roberson said, you know, I, you know, I don't know what you're saying. And then he, he told somebody to tell the guy, I don't, even, don't know what he's saying. He said, he said that he had prayed that God would show him the true way the, the, um, that God would reveal himself to him. And so he came into the service and Dave Roberson spoke in tongues but this individual, he heard it in the Russian language. But you know what's so remarkable about it? It is supernatural. It is totally spiritual because when they played it over on the CD, it wasn't Russian. It was an unknown language. But yet he understood it in the Rus- Russian language. So there's tongues where they can understand it in their language. On the day of Pentecost, there was actually speaking in tongues in the public assembly and they heard them in all kinds of language, Arabia and, and, and um, I can't remember all the ones, but different ones, um, Parthenese and Medes and these kinds of, uh, all different kinds of things that are, listen, you, you can read them, but different languages that were, that were understood. They heard them in their uh, language. So there are different kinds, uh, tongues where it's, uh, tongues where you pray in tongues and yet they understand it in a known language is actually not for everyone. Because when the the Bible even says, do they all speak in that kind of tongue? No, they don't. Tongues with interpretation. Not everybody has the gift of like you speak in tongues and somebody else interprets it. Not everybody has that. That's as the spirit of God wills. But we can all pray in the Holy Spirit for personal edification. And then the fourth one, I forgot to, I forgot to mention the fourth one. The, the fourth one is a deep intercession with groanings. When we're praying in a place of intercession, when we know not what to pray for as we ought to, the spirit of God gives us utterance and he that searches the heart knows what is the mind of the spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And so you can, but now that is not at your will either. You can't just say, I'm going to get down here and groan and I'm gonna get down here and, 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 and manifest this because that's as the spirit of God wills. And you just can't like force that to happen. But we can all pray in the Holy Spirit for personal edification, each and every one of us at the drop of the hat. Now, we don't want to abuse that because I remember one time I was preaching in a, and we had a lady, it was preaching in a prison in Washington. And um, actually it was the army stockade in, in uh, Fort Lewis. I was preaching there on the Sunday morning in the stockade and uh, the guys came in, they unshackled them. And then, then they were there right there in the, in the stockade. And man, we had maybe 150 guys there. Well, the lady who was doing the, um, the, the organ was a contract organist from a Presbyterian background. She knew nothing about it, but I had brought a guy with me. Um, and he was from a, uh, Pentecostal charismatic type of background and we were on a wooden pew kind of like they, they they have here they had a wooden pew right on the back of the stage and so you know we did the singing and we we're singing the traditional hymns and stuff and then so then I got up to preach when they were when they were done and he kept speaking in tongues and I kept turning around I'm like really I mean, you're, you're distracting me. He kept speaking in tongues out loud, like the whole time. He's praying in tongues out loud, out loud. And it was very, very disruptive, very, very distracting. And so I'm trying to preach a message that I really feel like the Lord has given me for these prisoners. Thank you. Like an in-season in word, fresh manna for them and their condition. And they're not even listening to me. We got this section. We got this section. They're all looking at Bozo. <laughs> inappropriately. Speaking in tongues while I'm trying, and I'm, I seriously, I'm looking back. I'm like, serious? I mean, really? I mean, come on. Are you, must you keep doing that? So, uh, I didn't have the guts to tell him, you know, there might be a time when you got to contain that. Maybe pray, whisper, maybe, maybe, you know, I like to do it like this. If I'm in Starbucks and I'm, and, and I'm just like, I'm praying, I'm waiting. And, uh, it's, sometimes I get impatient. I, I know. And here's another thing. I got to pray in, in the Holy spirit. To, so, so that God could keep me from the people. 
And you got to pray in, in the Holy Spirit so, so that God can keep you from us. Because if we get too much of you, we won't be able to handle you. And so we got to pray in the Holy Spirit. So I might be in Starbucks and, 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 I'm, and I'll pray in the Spirit like this. Or I might be in the bank. I don't know about you, but I hate going to the bank. I wish I would never have to go to the bank the rest of my life. I don't like going to the bank. I like to go right up to the ATM. I like to flip out my wallet. I like to put my thing in and put my card in and do whatever I need to do. And I like to, I like to keep the car running, keep the door open, get back in the car and get on the road. I just don't like it. So I go on the bank and it's like, oh my gosh. If I don't pray in the Holy Spirit, I'm fixing to explode in here. And I did this. You, you know, maybe I shouldn't tell you, confess, and we want to keep it positive and not let everybody know that, that I, you know, we have weaknesses. But praying the Holy Spirit saves you from being so much of you. If I could just decrease a little bit and let the Lord increase, I think somebody might be influenced a little bit better. Can I have an amen? Yeah. <laughs> really, I'm going to help Pastor Tom on this one. If we're in the praise and worship team. And we spend, oh, I better not, maybe I better not say, if we spend more time, I'll say, if we spend more time up here playing and singing and on the microphone than we do praying the Holy Spirit, then I think we ought to get back down off the stage and pray in the Holy Spirit a little bit more to where our praying the Spirit ought to equal at least the time that I'm up there in the line. Uh Uh-oh, 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 I better better move on. I'm going to help you out, Pastor Tom. Yeah. What are we talking about? Um, of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we got to pray in the Holy Spirit. We got to pray in the Holy Spirit. And uh, so let's, let, me, let me tell you another. another I was doing a um, men's camp in uh, Kaneohe, Hawaii. And uh, what a time we had there. And I, I was so nervous preaching because all the guys were... Um, very wealthy business owner. And, and you have to understand, I came up from, from not such a, the greatest stock and not such the greatest DNA and not the best um, uh, con, con, conditions growing up. And, and uh, so just being around wealthy business owners and political leaders and, and officials and different things, is very, it was very, very intimidating. And then we had people of various denominations there. And, and yet I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me, talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so um, I stood up and we had such a time in the presence of God. I promise you, I never opened my eyes once. I don't know necessarily why I did that, but I know, I do know, I can say, I can stand upon the word of God because God told Jeremiah, when you preach the word that I give you, don't look at the faces of the people. Now I know in public speaking, you've got to make eye contact and you contact and you got to be eloquent and say the positive thing and be encouraging to everybody. But sometimes when you're, when you're speaking a word that you can just feel the people are not necessarily receiving that. Well, God told Jeremiah, don't look at the faces of the people because you might be intimidated by it. So I was there not even looking at the faces of the people. I actually kept my eyes closed the whole time. And I was preaching the word, quoting the word, preaching the word, quoting the word, preaching the word, quoting the word. And then I told him, I said, now, what I'd like to do, you to do is if you'd like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I said, I'm going to move this pulpit. And then I said, we have chocolate milk and cake in the dining room for the camp. I said, if, if you don't want to be a part of this, then go ahead and dismiss yourself and go ahead and help yourself to the, the chocolate cake and the milk over in the, the dining um, facility that, that is there. And so the pulpit happened to be big wooden pulpit on, on wheels. And so I moved the pulpit like this. And I said, now I want to ask if you would just go ahead and go ahead and come on forward. And then so... Dozens of men came forward and they were lined up right across the front. And I opened my eyes and I was praying to the Holy Spirit. I'm like, Lord, which, what do I do here? How do I do this? I'm not so sure how to do it. And so the first guy happened to be, just so happened to be the most prominent figure in the whole group. So I asked him, I said, now you heard the word that I was sharing with you. I said, if the Holy Spirit gives you the utterance, who will do the speaking? And he said, I will. I said, are you ready to receive the Holy Spirit? He said, yeah. I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to lay my hands upon you and pray in the Holy Spirit. And what I want you to do is I want you to take a deep breath and then I want you to speak out, but not in English. I want you to speak out from the utterance from, from the Holy Spirit. And you'll be the one that's doing the speaking. I said, are you ready? He said, I'm ready. So I laid my hands upon him just like this. And we were, it was, and I got to say this, it was a concrete floor. A dignified, prominent figure 
in the meeting, the most dignified one of the one. I, I put my hand upon him, just like this. He had his hands in the air. I don't know how it happened, but have you ever, you ever watched a baseball game when someone's sliding into second base and the catcher's trying to throw him out and then the shortstop or the second base there, men is there and they have to like jump over the guy who's trying to take their legs out? I promise you, I went just like this and, and he slid like sliding into second base. And there he was on his knees on concrete. He had slid on, the, on his knees on concrete and he's right there. And, t- and tears are starting to come down his eyes. And next thing I know, there was an anticipation we went right down the road and these guys got filled with the Holy Spirit one after another, after another, after another, after another. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and God gave them the utterance and we had a great time over chocolate milk. I mean, cho- chocolate cake and milk. Um, we, did a, we did another uh, youth encounter and uh, what a marvelous time we had. And we had this one boy named Josh and his dad was a Baptist pastor. And uh, he was 14 years old at the time, and he came forward to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I said, Josh, are you ready? He said, yeah, I'm ready. I said, if the, whole, if the Holy Spirit comes upon you, who will give you the utterance? He said, the Holy Spirit. I said, who will do the speaking? He said, I will. I said, are you ready to receive? He said, yeah. So I laid my hands upon you, and I'm telling you, tears started coming down. Snot started coming down. His, the, his eyes were red even the next day from, from all of the outpouring that came through his um, spirit and soul and body. That was, that was a, a cleansing. And afterwards, he said... I don't know why he said, but my dad is so dry and my dad is so religious. He needs this experience. I said, well, Josh, we all need this experience. And I don't know where Josh is today, but I believe with all of my heart that once you get a dose of the Holy Ghost, I I think you got to keep going back there. And something happens where you can run and you can hide. But, but the truth is, you'll always want to be drawn back to that Pentecostal experience. Smith Wigglesworth said, Pentecostal people are not satisfied with stale manna. I just read that to my kids the other day. That's why. <laughs> and um, just, just uh, when would we do the camp? July 27th to July, no, June 26th through July 2nd. We just did a youth camp. Have any of you ever heard of YWAM? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We went to the YWAM campground uh, just two weeks ago and did a, did a youth camp all together. We had 124 came up to their, there to this camp and what a time we had in the presence of God. So then I shared some of the verses that I'm sharing with you and, uh, lo and behold, lo and behold, I mean, dozens of teenagers came forward. And do you know, out of those dozens of teenagers that came forward on that particular night, here's how I really felt like the, the, the spirit of God had led me to minister. I stepped back up on the stage and I said, now I'm, uh, uh, the leaders that are here, what I want you to do is I want you to go and ask them one by one. Are you ready to receive the Holy Spirit? Who would give you the utterance? And the answer would be the Holy Spirit. Who does the speaking? The answer would be I do. So I, I told the leaders that were there with us in the camp. I said, ask them that question. And when they get the answers right, then ask them if they're ready to receive. And do you know every single one of those kids? And he ended up leaving, having been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. What a time we had just two weeks ago. Marvelous time in the presence of the Lord. One last verse. Have you got time for one last verse? You know, I I really apologize, but I don't know why I thought we were out of here at 830. I didn't realize we were out of here at 8. I just realized we're out of here at 8. So Acts chapter 19, real quickly. And it came to pass that while Paul was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said to them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? That's a question that I'd like to present to all of you today. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? And they said to him, we've not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Spirit. And he said to them, what then were you baptized with? And they said to him, John's baptism. Then Paul said, John baptized with water of repentance, saying to the people they should believe on him that would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I want you to see verse 6. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. One way to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit is like in Acts chapter 2. The Spirit of God just falls upon every, everyone, comes in like a rushing mighty wind, sets upon each one. Another way, like remember, remember Acts chapter 10, we just read, while Peter was still speaking, they were 
listening intently, paying attention to what he was saying, and the Spirit of God came upon them, and they of the circumcision, as many as came Peter, were astonished beyond measure, because that on the Gentiles was also poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then we see another way that the Holy Spirit is administered is in verse 6, Acts 19, 6. Paul laid his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, and notice, they spoke, they spoke, they spoke with tongues and prophesied. If you ever speak in tongues, it'll be you. They spoke with tongues and prophesied. If you ever speak in tongues, the Holy Spirit will give you the utterance. But if you ever speak in tongues, it'll be you doing the speaking. I like what the Apostle Paul said. He said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. I like what the Apostle Paul said. He said in in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he or she that speaks an unknown tongue edifies himself. He or she that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. How be it in the spirit? You're speaking divine secrets. In 1 Corinthians 14, 14, Paul said, what is it then? I'll pray in the spirit. But I'm going to pray with my understanding also. So for me, it would be I pray in the spirit, but then I pray in English. Then he said, and I will sing in the spirit and I'll sing with the understanding also. For, for me, it would be I sing in the spirit, but then I sing in, in my English language that I do know. And he said, he, he said in verse 18, but my desire is that everybody spoke in tongues. The apostle Paul said, I wish that everybody spoke in tongues. And once again, Peter said, this experience is for you and your children and to all who are far off. It is for you. It is for you children. It's to all who are far off. Now, you know, I went to Baptist seminary and what a great time we had at Baptist seminary and I learned how to be ecumenical and I learned how to do a lot of great things and I learned a lot of, a lot of great revelation and, and, and historical facts in the Baptist seminary and what a great time I had. But one thing I do know is my, my theological professor, he said that if you ever get around those people that speak in tongues, you got to be very careful because you might get a demon inside of you. But then what he said was, you should never ask for the Holy Spirit because you might get a demon inside of you. He's telling us in in our class. And then here's here's one of the things that I I recognize when it comes to um, uh, um, denominational um, religious unscriptural statements is... uh, it only produces fear and bondage in the, in, the, in, the, in the ears of the hearers. And then what happens is they're just really saying what their pastor's pastor's pastor told their pastor. So this all came from great grandpastor. Yeah. It's just been passed down from pastor to pastor to pastor. And they're just saying what their pastor's pastor taught their pastor. And they're just saying what their pastor told them, what their professor told them. And, and here's the thing. You can't speak as an authority on something that you've never experienced. You can't speak on authority of being in San Francisco if you've never been to San Francisco. You might have seen the pictures. You might have read about it. But if you've never been there, you can't, you can't be an authority on it unless you've ever been there. So until you've been under the Holy Spirit and fire, you, you, you can't be an authority on that. But then he went on to say this. It's not for us today. Okay. For, well, anyways, let me just say, I'm, I'm close with this last verse. Luke chapter 13, Jesus said, if which of you, if their son comes to them and says, give me a piece of bread, would you give him a stone? Give me an egg. Would you give him a scorpion? Give me a fish. Would you give him a serpent? Then he said this, if you, I think it's 1311. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall the Father which is in heaven give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Come on. So, so why do I have to be afraid if I ask Him? If I ask for the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells me Jesus said I got it in red letter. Jesus said it. If I ask for the Holy Spirit, I don't have to be afraid because if Jesus said ask for the Holy Spirit, you'll get the Holy Spirit. But the theological professor said ask for the Holy Spirit and you'll get a demon or you ask for the Holy Spirit. It's wrong because it's not for us today. He's just going off of, of, of uns- really makes the word of God in none effect. So my question is, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Have you received this wonderful experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit where Jesus baptizes you with the Holy Spirit? I'm wondering, would it be possible, Pastor Tom, if we just maybe see if there may be a few that would, can, is there any way we could play a little bit of keyboard? There may be somebody who who seen the scriptures that we shared, and and um, please forgive me if I came in arrogance and 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 pride. I, I I don't mean to be, but I do want to be confident in the scripture. But 
you've seen the Apostle Paul said to believers, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? You've seen in Acts chapter 8 that they were already saved. They're already baptized. And yet they asked for Peter and John to come down from Jerusalem to pray for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. But they're already saved and they're already baptized in water and yet they come down and receive the promise of the Father from on high. It was so important that all of God's children in the book of Acts, it was the norm. And do you know that it is more and more the norm among Christianity around the globe? Just this month, we passed 7 billion people in the earth. And um, they're about around the globe, there are about 1 billion Christians around the globe. And the percentage used to be low of those that were filled with the Holy Spirit and, but now the percentage is turning greater. In fact, um, one, of the, one of the Baptist professors told me that their denomination has lost 30% here recently to tongue-talking churches. I mean, <laughs> I don't want them to lose people, but I, want, I just pray, pray that they would... Let, let Jesus come in and the Holy Spirit come in and, and uh, let his presence be manifested. So if you're here today, my question to you is this. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? The Holy Spirit gives the utterance and you do the speaking and maybe you'd like to receive the Holy Spirit. In fact, maybe we should do this. Maybe we should go ahead and um, pray and dismiss and then um, that's just what I have in my heart. We can pray and dismiss. And then um, I want you to just march down here. You know it's you. March right down here. And I'm, I'm hoping Pastor Tom can play for a little bit. And then I want to just pray for you that you would receive the Holy Spirit. And you can receive. You could if you would. This is for you and your children to all that are far off. Father, I pray for my friends tonight. May we be inspired. May we be encouraged. I pray, Lord God, that we'll go in the strength and the peace of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, we worship you, God. We adore you. In the name of Jesus.